Hey guys, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Hey friends, welcome back to Your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. I'm Beth McCord, and if you're watching this on YouTube, which I hope you are, be sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel. That would mean so much to us. This week, I am super excited to continue this current series where we're featuring our Director of Coaching, Adam Breckenridge, as he talks with some of our certified Enneagram coaches about the various thoughts and limiting beliefs that have held them back over time in being a certified Enneagram coach. So we're going to talk with a type five and a type six and a type seven coach, and they're going to discuss with Adam what that negative self-talk looks like for their personality type and the steps that they have taken to overcome these limiting beliefs. You are going to be so blessed by hearing from them because all of us have limiting beliefs, right? But what does it look like to overcome it? Well, I can't wait for you to hear, so let's dive right in. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome back to the show. I'm Adam Breckenridge, Director of Coaching at Your Enneagram Coach. And for the last couple of episodes, we have been talking about something known as imposter syndrome, which is this internal experience that you are an imposter. It's this voice that says you are an imposter. It's this kind of accusatory thing that says you're hiding something that you can't let others see. And it's this sense that you're a fraud and there's often this fear associated with it that, you know, it's only a matter of time before you're going to be exposed and others are going to find you out. Uh, one of my favorite terms for imposter syndrome is the term head trash. Uh, a common way this shows up is in, in the form of all kinds of stuff going on in your head, garbage going on in your mind, uh, limiting beliefs, things, you know, this narrative of I'm not competent enough. I don't have what it takes. Or sometimes the head trash shows up as negative self-talk. You know, you're weak, you're fake, you're not enough, you don't deserve to be here, you don't belong, which is really the voice of shame. And however this shows up for you, one thing is certain, imposter syndrome, as we've said in the last couple of episodes, is a common human experience. It's not unique to certain Enneagram types. In fact, all nine Enneagram types experience some form of limiting beliefs and negative self-talk that, if, if left unattended to, will knock us off our best path and keep us from becoming our best selves. Because uh, fundamentally, really, it's, it's, it's the imposter part of us, this, this part of us that functionally keeps us from experiencing the love of God and from having the courage it takes to pursue what it is he's put in our heart to do. Um, in, in last week's episode, you may have heard me quote Ayodeji uh, Awoshika. Uh, in his book, How to Overcome Imposter Syndrome. And I think he says it best. He says the imposter part of us is really, quote, a child in adult armor firing arrows at all your attempts to live. In other words, this is the part of you that is most likely holding you back and the part that is most likely keeping you from living a wholehearted life. And so the question that we've been wrestling with in this little, you know, kind of three-part miniseries over the last few episodes is how do I lead and care for this part of myself so that it doesn't keep me from becoming who I long to become and from doing what I long to do in this very short life that I have. 
And uh, once again, to help us answer that question, I'm joined by a wonderful panel of certified Enneagram coaches. So joining me today are Joe Graham, Elizabeth Brennan, and Amy Wicks. Friends, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. I think I want to start by having you just introduce yourself a little bit. So, you know, the basics like your type, family, where you live, uh, what you do, anything you want to share. Uh, Joe, why don't you go first? Uh, good to be here again, Adam. Uh, so nice to meet all of you in this way. Uh, my name is Joe Graham. I identify as a type five in the Enneagram. I live in Holland, Michigan with my family, uh, my wife, Tiffany, my son, Baxter, my daughter, Penelope. We live on the lakeshore. Uh, so I uh, served as a leader in a number of different organizations over the years, started my career uh, with Young Life, and then found my way uh, in the church world for over a decade, serving in some different roles, and then as an executive pastor for a multi-site church uh, most recently, and uh, got into the Enneagram as a way to develop leaders and to grow myself and then ended up launching a coaching practice, which I've been at for about four years now. And I currently uh, serve as the director of people and culture uh, at a multi-campus senior community in our area, working on staff development, employee engagement, and organizational growth. And Joe, thanks so much for sharing. Thanks for being here. Uh, Elizabeth, what about you? Yes, I am Elizabeth Brennan. I'm a type six from the suburbs of Houston. We've lived here almost two years now. Been married to my husband for five five years this June, and our daughter will, is just a little older than two. Um, and we, I came to the Enneagram because I quit teach. I was a teacher, elementary and middle school teacher for six years, and I quit teaching before my daughter was born. And just didn't know what I was doing. Like felt lost, felt like I didn't have a career anymore, that I didn't have something to do except take care of this baby that was didn't do anything else but need me all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. um, it just, I didn't know who I was anymore. And God used the Enneagram to remind me that he made me with a purpose. He made me with a calling and that the struggles I had weren't without purpose. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's how I got into coaching as I wanted to teach moms the same things that the things that we hear as moms, that you have to do more and be better, but you're also doing too much. And so you have to stop doing too much, but oh, you're man. not doing enough if you stop um, are all lies. And uh, God's already given us exactly what he needs us to do. Um, and in an effort to support moms even more than just Enneagram coaching, I'm also getting my certification now as a potty training coach as well, because we've been on that journey wow. and um, it's, it's not for the faint hearted. <laughs> and so I don't want to leave people alone in that and think that they have to be alone in that as well. So. Oh, Elizabeth, that is fantastic. And I, I'm, I, I'm, there's so many things I want to say, gosh, as you're talking, I'm like, Oh, I got to keep the episode on the rails. <laughs> what you're talking about. And, and, and Joe, same with you. And you were talking about working with leaders. I'm like, I, I, I want to talk about that. Amy. Let's let's, uh, let's talk about you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes, Jeff. Well, let's see. I'll start off with, I would say I'm a social. Wait a minute. I'm going to have to stop you. I'm going to have to stop you right there because I know, I know I mean... Jeff Nicole heard it. 
You called me Jeff. I did. Are you thinking about Jeff? Wait a minute, though. Are you thinking about Jeff McCord? Because if so, he's going to be flattered. He is. When Please you... tell him that because he always gets, you oh, know. Oh, no. We're going to keep it in the episode. We'll just keep it in the episode. I love it. Yeah, it's not like Zoom where everyone's name is right there. I know. You know? I know. Adam, I, I know Adam very well. We've had multiple conversations, and here I am calling him Jeff. <laughs> no, this is true. We do know each other well, so I'm not offended at that because I know you know who I am. I mean, we're, we're friends. But the but the the thing that I think is beautiful about this is that you know Jeff's name. I mean, you know, I just love that his he's getting some attention. He is, and he needs it. So we're going to give him a shout out today. Lots of love to you, Jeff. Right. (laughs) Much love. All right, continue. (laughs) Okay, let's see. All right, we'll start that again. Uh, Social seven, wing eight. um, But I don't know. There's still a lot of six in there. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm an Enneagram coach for female entrepreneurs. I recently finished certification in marriage and family. Um, so I get to dabble in lots of different types of coaching and I, I now live in Kansas city, but I like to say I'm a California born, uh, ended up in the Midwest, then to the mountains. And now I'm back on a cul-de-sac in the Midwest where it's, it's actually pretty decent today since we're talking about weather. It's not too bad, kind of rainy spring. It's beautiful though. So, you know. We've been here for 13 years, can't believe it, but we're finding our place here and raising kids and doing life. And um, yeah, just really grateful that I get to do what I do. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening, but when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Yeah, well, we're really grateful for you and and grateful that you're here today, Amy. So, you know, Joe, you're a five. Elizabeth, you're a type six. Amy, you're a type seven. So you all make up the head triad within the centers of intelligence. You know, fives, sixes, and sevens are in the thinking center you you know you process and move into the world mostly out of your thoughts and your thought life and uh, you all share a common desire for security which is a good thing but there's also this imbalance in that desire for security that kind of shows up sometimes in this common emotional struggle that you all share with anxiety so that has me curious to start as we're talking about imposter syndrome or head trash uh, even that term uh, of calling it head trash. 
in the last two episodes, we've kind of talked somatically about where this imposter part of us lives in the gut, in the heart. For you guys, do you do you find in your experience that this this imposter syndrome is a part of you that lives in your head? Like, does it show up mostly as anxious thoughts, a, a busy mind? Uh, can you can you speak to that, Amy? I'd, I'd love I'd love for you to kick us off. Yeah, you know it because it took me so long to figure out my Enneagram type. It's one of those things that now really understanding that anxiety piece, I go, how did it take me so long? Because it's Mm. really evident. It's, I'm very much in my head and in a way where, because I, I'm extroverted by nature and kind of some have the, some of the typical seven traits, it, people don't understand how much is actually going on behind here, (laughs) that what they Mm. see is actually only this much. Um, I mean, family doesn't have like, like they get 20% of what's going on in there because <laughs> right. there's a swirl right. of ideas. There's a swirl of thoughts. And I, I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I don't think it ever turns off. In fact, I woke up at two 30 this morning, no joke, not because of any physical thing. I immediately woke up and had a thought in my mind that led me to the feeling of pure anxiety. And that is, I forgot to order my kids' yearbooks and I forgot to customize the pages. And I think they were due like at midnight, but it was 2.30 a.m. And so I immediately, like, I didn't even have any other feelings except for there was just like this thought. And so to me, that meant it must have just been working my mind and and it came up to enough of that consciousness <laughs> where it woke me up. So anyway, it was it's an unfortunate example that I got to live today, but that's the reality. And then I couldn't go back to sleep because I'm like, my kids are gonna hate me. I didn't finish the book, I didn't turn in, they're not gonna have a yearbook and you know, like they won't have all these precious memories from this year. Oh. And um I went ahead and figured out a way to at least work on one yearbook. So um I've been up for a long time already. Um, you're definitely going to get some good information today. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh, Amy, what a what a what a great example of how this works. Yeah, and you'll have you'll. I'm glad. I'm thankful that you got the yearbook situation all resolved. Almost, we're almost there. Yeah. Uh, almost there. Yeah, Joe, what about you? Well, Amy, I was also up early this morning. Oh, not alone. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> And it like you, uh, I don't know other head types, but my experience is you wake up and like your mind's like instantly on. Uh, I don't have that in most mornings, I think because of the way I've trained myself to kind of enter into the day. But if I wake up in the middle of the night, it's like instantly on. And so uh, I saw the email prep for this show and you used the word head trash. And I saw we were talking five, six and seven. And then I said a word out loud that I won't say on the podcast because that (laughs) is our experience uh, as yeah. the head type. It is my experience. Yeah. Um, I recently heard that fear, another way to describe anxiety, is an emotion of the head mm-hmm. and that it it isn't really happening. But to those of us in the head triad, it feels like it is. And I can attest to my own in- struggle with anxiety mm-hmm. in terms of how it plays itself out. Part of it, which is really interesting right now, is because of the work I've been able to do with the wisdom of the Enneagram, I'm way more aware of my body and my emotions where I used to bury my emotions a lot more. I'm much more present. And so some of the new things I'm discovering about myself 
is, oh, this is showing up in my body. Mm-hmm. And because I, I've known for so long it's in my head and I've done the work to go, it can't only be in my head, it has to be in my heart, it has to be in my body. Mm-hmm. And so that is actually a wild trip to go through when you're starting to go, oh, this anxiety does manifest itself in my body, even though I've been able to keep it in my head or only experienced it in my head most of my life. Yeah, yeah, man. So much I want to I want to say there, Joe. So we may have to grab a, a conversation offline because I've been on a very very similar journey. I've realized my my body's kind of been it it, it will stay kind of in uh, fight or flight mode, um, and I've only I've only realized that the last few years of my life. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've had this interesting experience lately where I've become way more in touch with my emotions. And I don't know what to do with that all the time now. I'm, I used to just be able to think my way through it. And now I'm like, no, I actually have to stay in this. And so, yes. Uh, yes. but and I wouldn't be there without the, without the Enneagram. Yeah. That's one of the, one of the, one of the most transformational pieces of fruit that the Enneagram gives us. Yeah. Elizabeth, you and I are both type sixes, but I'll let you answer for me. What about you? T- tell me a little bit about uh, how this, this imposter might or might not show up in anxious thoughts for you. I think I described it to my mom one time as it's like I have a movie reel in my head and it just spins and spins and spins. And when it runs out, it starts over again. And so that like when it's trying to do something new, it turns into, well, don't try too hard because it could either be really amazing and that's a bad thing, or it could be really bad and that's a bad thing. And so maybe just, only sort of try, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is really hard to do yeah. well at something. When, even when I want to do well at something, it's hard to convince myself to really do absolutely my best um, because everything is always, well, it's not this, this isn't good enough. And this person won't like that. And there's just answering to the inner committee at all times yeah. yes. um, is, is a hard, hard task. Yes. Let me ask you this, Elizabeth. If you do something and it turns out to be really amazing, why does the imposter say, be careful about that? That's bad news, too. Because then people want more. Um, and I don't always feel like I have more to give. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what's fascinating about the imposter, because I, I don't know if this is I don't know if this, this is a six thing. But but to me, uh, the imposter part of me will be the, it's this voice that will say, number one. It's kind of a fluke that you got here. You're a fraud. You don't really belong here. But then it'll turn around and also say you should have done better and put this pressure on you to um, to perform. So, yeah, guys, so insightful. I want to, I want us to continue to pay attention to this part of ourselves. I mean, that's what this whole episode is about. And and we get a chance to to help others, you know, build a healthy relationship with this with this part of themselves. So. And that's kind of why you guys got into coaching. I mean, we, we could spend a ton of time talking about what motivated you to become an Enneagram coach, but I think you've all already summed it up. Each of you have experienced the wisdom and transformation through this tool, and you want to turn around and give that to others. And so uh, you want to make an impact in other people's lives and coach them toward becoming their best selves in Christ. And w- what a beautiful desire. And, and so you've all become coaches. And, and we know that the journey to becoming an Enneagram coach is difficult. I mean, any, anything worth doing is challenging and requires sacrifice and effort. And it's, it's always going to be a place where your head trash gets activated. So in my experience, that's the number one hurdle people have to overcome to 
become a certified Enneagram coach or really pursue any dream or calling that they have. And so I'd love to hear from you guys in launching and leading your own coaching business. Can you describe what it's been like for you to walk through your own limiting beliefs and and and, and both in launching and, and then currently still having to show up every day and walk through your own limiting beliefs just to become a coach. Uh, Joe, you, you want to kick us off on that? Yeah. I, as you were talking imposter syndrome, it's uh, that word uh, security is interesting for us. We desire security as a, as a head triad, but it's really because we're avoiding insecurity. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I feel this interesting pull in that in terms of, most aspects of my life really and uh in terms of starting a coaching business like as a five i just kept calculating okay when uh when do i when do i push send on this email to tell people i'm doing this or when do i begin the conversation or send out a proposal and uh as a five i desire to be competent and capable and so what i've learned about myself is i usually show up with like five hours of content that I don't need. <laughs> and uh, one of my one of my friends actually said to me, she goes, you know, it's all in your head. You just need to show up and give it to us. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that's some of my journey with uh, teaching the Enneagram and coaching others with it. And, um, you know, I, my dream is to be in the coaching space full time at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always done it as a side project or internally uh, where I've been serving. And so it's been really fun that I've had the ability and flexibility to do that. And it's kind of become a, a huge part of my life too, um, was able to form a partnership with another Enneagram coach who got certified by YEC a few years ago. And so it is an act of vulnerability for folks who are overthinking things. And yes. uh, what I've learned now that, uh, you know, I still have imposter syndrome when I go to do a workshop or start with a new client and i have to do the work of reminding myself of you know how to do this you know how to Mm -hmm. do this and um and that that vulnerability is uh is the threshold of what's possible in coaching relationships when when someone is willing to invite you into that space that's half that's half the achievement, I think, in coaching. Coaching, and you just have to start with affirming them for saying you want to grow, and you've asked me to help you grow, and we're yes. going to figure out how to we're going to we're going to learn how to do that together. And so uh, that's that's a little bit of how I've gotten into coaching. Um, it's been workshops, one on one coaching uh, relationships, and then um, just launched an internal coaching program where I serve now, where we're offering it to any staff uh, who mm. want to grow at all levels. And so we're super excited about that because we got a couple hundred people on our team. And so I'm curious to see how that all shapes out too and all the different roles uh, that are in a healthcare organization that I now serve. That's so cool. Oh, such an exciting yeah, opportunity. I can't remember who said it. As you were talking, it reminded me of, of a, a line I heard years ago about sixes where it, it was said that sixes are quick to forget past successes. So you, you know, for me, it would be this, um, no matter how many times I had coached someone successfully or, you know, preached a sermon or done, done whatever, whatever, what it could be anything, uh, I would still show up 
would still have all this anxiety about doing it again. And I would, there'd be this part of me that would think you don't have what it takes. You don't know enough. You don't belong up there. You know, you don't belong in that space. Like you're not, you know, you're going to fail. And, and so I love that you, what I'm hearing you say is you've kind of, for lack of a better term, it sounds like parented that part of your, of yourself by like kind of holding up the mirror a little bit and saying, Hey, look, these people are asking me to do this. Like, you know, uh, that's, that's confirmation. That's over half the battle, like you said. So I, I love that kind of gentleness, those gentle reminders that you're giving to that that part of yourself. Uh, and it sounds like you've also had some healthy people that you trust in your life who have who have reminded you just just do it. Like you 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 have what it takes. So you it's all in your head. Just just show up and 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 coach us. You know, um, Elizabeth. What about you? How have you how have you pushed through these this head trash? in order to do what you're doing? I've allowed myself to go slowly. Mm. Um, There's so much, there's so much out there of like hustle culture and, and, and do more faster. And I started this journey when my daughter was only, I think 10 months old and we were in a new city and I didn't know anybody here. It was the middle of the pandemic. So I couldn't know anybody. We didn't even have a church home yet. And I didn't really know what it meant to own my own business either. I was a teacher. I just showed up to work and did whatever they told me. <laughs> you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, um, I mean, there was certainly initiative, but that nothing required me to step out of the confines of my job description. And now mm. I create my own job description. I was like, that's mm. new. Um, so just giving myself the grace to say, it's okay to learn it first mm. and then do it has actually been so helpful uh, of instead of like, well, if you don't go and make a bunch of mistakes first, and that's a good way for a lot of people to learn, but with a with a daughter and other responsibilities, that was not the yeah. way for me to learn this. Um, so it's it's okay. Like I'm I'm okay with having one client at a time. I'm okay with working yeah. on my website only if I don't have clients, like <laughs> things like that. It's so good. I, I mean, I'm taking notes for myself as you're talking. So I, you know, you, you, when you talk about permission to slow down, I, I, I was just reminded that. Uh, a great way for sixes to navigate their self-doubt uh, is is to to embrace the journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes sixes are so hyper-focused on the destination because that's what anxiety is. Yes. Anxiety is about climbing into the future to get control of the destination. Whenever God is inviting us to walk with him, with him on this journey and what drives the six crazy? What drives anybody crazy? But what drives the six crazy is we don't have a lot. We don't have all the certainty we want to have on that journey, you know. And so there can be this temptation and anxiety to speed up and race ahead and try to get all everything answered and and prepare for every possible scenario to get ahead and get control of that destination. But I love the wisdom that you're you're offering, Elizabeth, is to give yourself permission to slow down and to embrace the journey and to play the long game. One of my mentors has said to me many times over the years, um, it's a journey, not a quick trip. You don't have to be in a hurry to get there. You just have to be willing to go. So if, if I will open my hands and take baby steps, half steps and trust God, that is a great way to encourage a six to navigate through all that head trash. Stop, stop focusing on the destination and just look at where you are and take the right next step.
Oh, it's good, Elizabeth. Um, thank you for sharing that. Amy, what about you? Yeah, I was just kind of sitting here thinking about that. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I needed the slow message. I needed, you know, confidence message. There's a lot of pieces, a lot of things that I needed. And But one of the things that really was the reassurance piece. Like I needed reassurance mm-hmm. that I had chosen the the right thing because <laughs> I was afraid to get stuck. I was afraid that I would be limited by choosing the Enneagram. I had grown up in the ministry, been a ministry leader for years, worked in that and the, the motherhood thing and started home businesses and different things like that. A typical seven, done lots of things, worked coffee shops, done real estate, all, all the things, right? And so when, when I had begun my um, podcast and and really online business, the Enneagram came in the midst of all of that. But I was afraid to fully embrace it as like my thing. Is this the tool that I'm going to use? Is this going to be, do I kind of give myself to all of that process? And does it, does it fit with my beliefs? Can I also talk about Jesus in the Enneagram. Some people might hate me, um, you know, all this, all these different pieces. And so I, I kept, um, I kept looking for reassurance and reassurance mm. that um, it was going to be okay in the end that I had chosen this and that I would really love it. And it could be a long-term decision because there was a lot at that point I was 40 was on the horizon. I was like, I really, I just want to choose something. I, I, I want to focus in, I want to, like be all in on something instead of keep dabbling in all the different, um, all the different things. And so, Mm. um, honestly, a a big part of that and part of building a business, um, has grown my dependence on the Lord and getting my reassurance from him because I couldn't find it in anything else. Ultimately, I couldn't, I couldn't get that a okay from, you know, someone, you know, even my husband, who's been all about supporting this and, he finally just said, you have to hear from the Lord. Is this the, yeah. the thing for you? Is this what you're supposed to do? And we both have confidence now. It's been over four years of doing all of this that we both go, oh man, this has been the thing where all of these different points along the way have uh, really kind of amassed to uh, allow me to be able to use the giftings and my experience and all of that to be the kind of coach that I am and to help so many people along the way where um you know, but then ultimately too, and all of that, when you go back, okay, the Lord has really led me to this point and he's the one who's going to give me reassurance. Then every interaction, mm-hmm. every client, every team uh, training, it, it goes, okay, that was from the Lord and he's equipped me and called me to do it. And I'm so grateful. Yeah. Mm. I want to point out that, you know, it's funny as a type seven, you said that I was afraid of having limits put on me and I'm, I'm, I'm over here saying, of course you were, you know, you didn't want the Enneagram to box you in uh, and, and to place, place these limits on you. So the need in that fear is you needed assurance. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, that's, that's normal and human. We people are afraid we're afraid we need reassurance. And I love that you're saying, and it's not a spiritualization. It's, it's, it's a reality. Like you went to the Lord with that and you said, Hey, listen, I, I need some reassurance. And, and what's fascinating is that he, I, I'm curious if this was the case with you. Sometimes God might actually give us the assurance that we're asking for in terms of like, this is not going to be limiting. 
Sometimes he doesn't. He just assures us that he'll be with us um, in, in the journey. So was that what it was like for you? Was Did, did you did you feel like you got all your, an, your questions answered about becoming a coach, running a business, the Enneagram? Or do you feel like you didn't get all that answered, but what you did get was the assurance that God is leading you. God is going to be with you. So you just have to take that step. Yeah, it really was a step of faith. And I think ultimately uh, he meets us in that. If we're seeking after the Lord and we're asking him and we goof up, if there's grace to cover horrible sins, surely there's grace to cover our goof (laughs) And and a poor decision that was made out of the best intentions. And I think resting in that, um, you know, helped give me the confidence yes. of choosing it. And then honestly, I have found the Enneagram limitations to be like huge. Like the boundary is huge, you know, that whole like wide space and the the wide boundary lines and and using the Enneagram has been more opening and created more opportunities than limitations in the end for me, which is mm. that's like God, right? And you go in thinking yeah. this yeah. because that's my default thinking of limitations and being afraid of it and actually going with the limitations, it's better quality. It's a better life. Mm. So mm. I was reminded just now as you were talking of one of my favorite, another one of my favorite quotes. And as a type six has brought me a lot of comfort and, and, and Anne Lamott said it, I think Richard Rohr said it as well in his own words, but um, you know, to paraphrase the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. Mm. So, um, you know, if you have all the certainty about the future and about the destination and about what it's going to be like to pursue your dreams, you know, if that's becoming an Enneagram coach, what's, if you have all the certainty and all the questions answered, you don't need faith. Mm-hmm. What do you have to trust God for if you're not afraid of anything? And uh, which has been such a comfort to me as a type six with a lot of fear who has grown up shaming my fear. And, and part, of, part of the gift that God's given me through the Enneagram is to understand that uh, it's OK to be afraid. And if you're not afraid, you're not living, you know, so um, and you're not risking if you're not afraid. And certainly if God's calling you to, to do something or if he's putting a dream in your heart to, to do something like become an Enneagram coach or whatever that might be, you're going to have to take some risks. And there's going to be a lot of uncertainty and there's going to be some unknowns and there's going to be some unknown unknowns of like, you don't even know what you don't know yet. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and, and so that uh, uh, the only way to, to navigate through the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome, which will certainly try to hold you back from taking that risk. It's going to try to protect you from, from taking that risk. The only way to move forward with that is, it's not a spiritual over spiritualization. It's to trust God with what you don't have certainty about. And um, that's the, that's the place where faith comes alive. Um, so, this, I mean, it's uh, these, you guys are amazing. And this is so, so helpful for me just to hear how you have courageously moved forward and still every day are having, it's not like you've arrived. I mean, none of us have arrived, has arrived, right? So you're still having to exercise this faith and this courage to move forward through these limiting beliefs to continue to show up to life and show up to your, your relationships and your calling and continue to do these things. Um, Where I want to shift gears is I want to talk about what's been the reward of having walked through all these fears. 
Um, there's this quote I've used in the last two episodes, and um, I'm unashamedly going to use it again. It's this quote from Joseph Campbell that Brene Brown has made popular. But the quote is, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So it's this image of you're standing, you know, on the edge of, of this cave. You're standing right outside of this cave, and inside, it's, inside there's, again, tons of uncertainty. It's dark. You don't know what is five, 10 steps inside that cave. You don't know what twists and turns await. You don't know what challenges lie ahead. You just have a lot of uncertainty. But what you do know is that there's something inside that cave that you want and that you're being led to pursue. And there's there's a desire you have, but you have to walk through that cave and, and through your fear in order to get it. So the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And a lot of that, the question is, what's the treasure you guys have discovered in Enneagram coaching? What's the treasure you discovered as you've walked through all these limiting beliefs to pursue this? Uh, what's the treasure in the cave that's made it all, all worth it all for you? Uh, Elizabeth, what about you? Yeah, one thing, um, as a social six, I think it's it's always interesting to hear people's understanding of the social subtypes because when it comes to six, yes, we want the community, but there's still the fear of meeting new people. Right. And there's still the fear of joining in a new community. And that's been something that as a coach, I'm slowly conquering is like, well, I have to talk to somebody new that I've never talked to in my entire life before. And I'm getting so much better at that. And I'm finding that I really truly enjoy it. I've always enjoyed it. I've just let the fear be so overwhelming. Um, but I love to, I love to hear what makes people tick. I love to hear mm. what makes people hurt, what makes them joyful. And that's something that you don't always get to do when you're meeting new people just in general and, you know, in your everyday life, it tends to be very surface level relationships and there's, there's no surface level about coaching with somebody. You you right. get, you get real deep, real fast. And that's been, uh, just so nice to just be in, entrusted with that as a coach and know that I can carry that for someone when they really need it. Yeah, that's so true. You get a, you really get a front row seat um, at, you know, seeing people's lives transform, seeing the light bulb come on, seeing the awareness happen in real time. And uh, that that's definitely, uh, that's definitely massive treasure. Yeah. Joe, what about you? Uh, I've got all these like things written in front of me. It's very five beautiful mind down where I am, even though it's very clean <laughs> behind me. Uh, there's this, uh, I did some coaching training over the last year and I don't know, it probably came from that, but it says my job is to imagine transformation for my client. Mm. And uh, when we coach and when we teach the Enneagram, but coach the client, there's these moments that come up where you just pause and you see people um, find themselves in a new way and that's just so rewarding yeah. um, there's a lot of crying that happens in coaching mm -hmm. and uh you know one of my favorite questions is like what's at stake for you right now like mm -hmm. how do you how do you want to grow and what tools and resources can we use uh to help you get uh where you want to go and then the Enneagram starts to provide some of that um, internal language that, that we all need uh, to 
articulate what's happening in the moment. And then yes. my job as a coach is just to cheer, just, just affirm, acknowledge, champion uh, the person and see transformation happen. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's so rewarding because people, you truly help people become the best version of themselves. Yes. And um, it's been, it's been transformational in my life with coaches uh, who have coached me and, and then the, all that head trash uh, seems to go away, right? When you realize you've had this, this impact on a person who is going to be different um, because of the work yeah. you've been able to do with them and, and you get paid to do it, <laughs> which is like a bonus. Yes. Win-win. Yeah. Um, my job is to imagine transformation for my client. That's a, that's a new sticky note that's going to be on my desk as well. So thanks for that, Joe. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. I also, I also just think it's funny. You said, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of crying in coaching and, um, and there is, and Amy, I'm, I don't know as a seven, how you feel about that, but, uh, <laughs> but there, there is, there can be. And I, I remember, I remember years ago, someone said, hearing someone say something about, I don't like making people cry as a coach. And the response was, um, you, you don't make anybody cry. You provide a space, safe space where they can cry. Um, you provide a safe place where they can take off the mask and tell the truth about their life. You provide a safe place where they can be vulnerable. You provide a safe place where they can actually get in touch with themselves and begin to, to, to have the awareness, which of course the Enneagram is just a profound tool and all of that. But that is, that's the treasure, man. That's, that's, that's the reward. Um, I love that Joe. Amy, what about you? Um, the treasure. Yeah. These, this was all so good. And I, I would speak to the crying and say, I'm actually great with the crying because I, that doesn't surprise me, Amy. At all. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me at all. I actually cry with my clients, which sometimes causes them to cry more, but I'm okay with it because I know it's going to end. Like it's going to be 30 seconds and then we'll be okay. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> You can cry, but only for 30 seconds. <laughs> I don't put a time limit. No, no I'm, ki I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I I kind of, I don't know. The thing that comes to my mind when I, I think about my clients is this puzzle. And I'm getting to help them put the pieces together to their story. And every time those pieces click, it's that aha moment, right? Or something, oh, wow. And, and getting to help them put that together. And I really didn't, I just like guided them, right? And like, hey, have you tried this piece? Oh, look, maybe it's connected to this piece. And then they put it together and and they have these reports of, I tried this thing. It, it seems so simple. I didn't know it'd be so transformational. And mm -hmm. I, to celebrate the wins yeah. Is yeah. that too surprising? Right. But to be able to celebrate and go, you're doing yes. it. Oh my gosh. Like go, go take your kids out for ice cream. Like you, you guys, like you did that and, um, yes. go buy that pair of shoes or I don't know, you know, I just hypothetically, but just even being able to sit there with them and call out the celebration and, and mm. see how it's all fitting together. Ultimately, again, not to spiritualize it, but to see what, the God story is 
that he has been writing in their lives. And you get to point to that and go, look at what, how the Lord has led you to this point and look at what he's doing. And, and to see the beauty of that and how he has been there all along, working behind the scenes, walking right along beside you. And, um, and then to make that connection to the Lord in a deeper way is like, man, it's just such a gift. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great, Amy. I, I love, I love those, uh, what the treasure is for you. I mean, seeing people, seeing those dots connect for people is so mm-hmm. contagious. I mean, it never, ever gets never. old and celebrating with people is, is such a joy and such a gift to be able to, you're right. Celebrate those milestones, help people celebrate, you know, some Enneagram types don't really stick around for the confetti to fall. Yep. You know, there and and so that's a huge gift that type seven coaches bring is helping people acknowledge and and celebrate what they need to celebrate. I mean, it's not it's not Enneagram coaching is not all focusing on growth points, like places where you need to grow. It's also celebrating the growth, yes. right? Amen. And honoring the gifts in people. And that's I mean, that's as as important, if not more important. Um so who was it? This there's like the rule of thumb that's like for every criticism you need ten affirmations or something. Um, so man, what a gift you, you know. Type seven coaches uh, are or any coach who leans into that. You know, affirming your clients and speaking good news over them um, and reminding them who they really are and how gifted and valuable they really are and celebrating their their uh, God's grace in their life and their wins and their growth. And, Man, that's treasure. Yeah, that makes it all worth it. That's a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. That's a ton of fun. Well, I think the last question I want to ask is, you know, I'd love to hear from each of you. What you, what would you, if you have, if you have, you have a moment right here, right now on the podcast, you know, to speak to our audience. And if anyone is, is thinking about, you know, well, I kind of want to become an Enneagram coach and I would like to also partner with people on their journey toward uh, becoming their best self. And I would like to see more and more people not be held back by imposter syndrome. And I want people to emerge, um, you know, for those who are listening, but whose own head trash may be holding them back from becoming an Enneagram coach. I'd love to hear what, what would you say? If if you would say a couple of words to them, how would you encourage them? Uh, Joe, why don't you, why don't you jump in first? You can't lead people somewhere you haven't gone yourself. So mm. call one of us and let's get on the, let's get on the line for a, a coaching great. session. Yes. Because we, uh, once, once you're trained and you, you know what to do, you can really unlock what may be holding someone back. Yes. And often coaching is about career, uh, and life vocation questions. And so I would encourage you to hit uh, one of the three of us up and mm. say, Hey, let's just get on for a, a call and, and experience it. And then go, wow, uh, I could do that too. And, yes. you know, as a five, I researched at least six different places to get trained in the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not necessarily about the information. It's about the risk to just do it. Mm. Man, great word, Joe. Yeah, find a coach. Absolutely. Amy, what about you? Well, in the opposite manner, I didn't know there was other coaching certification programs out there. So I just jumped all in <laughs> and I would echo, yeah. I would echo of getting, 
and making sure that you've experienced the transformation because that is what will be contagious. Mm-hmm. That will be, um, that's really your best sales uh, opportunity there. Selling point is that you go, you can tell the stories and you can example the cha- change that you've experienced. But um, I mean, if I kind of go back to one of those things of if you're praying about it and you think the Lord is nudging you that way, take that step of faith. He's going to, he's going to catch you either way you fall. And, um, and then just a word of advice to the sevens who want fast and want it, you know, big and, you know, want your 20 clients a month right away. Uh, take Elizabeth's advice and be good with growing slow because, um, it's good to take time to amass the information and, marinate it in it a little bit and really get oriented before you just, you know, charge full steam ahead. So. Great word, Amy. Great word. Elizabeth, you want to close us out? Yeah. I, my, one of my favorite verses to use for anybody is Philippians one six that says that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And I think the message here is twofold for us, whether whether you're considering becoming an Enneagram coach or just any step in your life is one, God is doing a good work in you. It's not up to you about what you do that he's doing in you. He's already working in your life and loving every minute of it. And two, he's not done yet. So it doesn't have to come out perfectly. He's not even going to try to be done with you until Christ Jesus returns. And so to think that you have to have it all figured out right now um, is giving yourself more credit and taking away some of the credit from the Lord, in my opinion. So give, give him the chance to do the work in you that he's promising he's doing right now. Wow. Great word. Great word to end on. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. And thank you Yeah, all three of you, Elizabeth, Joe, Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. This has really served me, and and I know this is going to serve our listeners and certainly anyone who is considering possibly becoming a coach as well. And uh, to those of you listening and watching, uh, if you're interested in becoming an Enneagram coach and helping lead others on the journey of moving away from the imposter self, you know, the little little child in, in armor that's uh, shooting arrows at other people's attempts to live. If you want to help people move out of that and through that imposter self into becoming their true and best self using the tool of the Enneagram, uh, our certification course will be opening for enrollment June 21st through the 28th. It'll close on the 28th at midnight. And, um, like all coaches who have gone before you, as you've heard today, uh, with Elizabeth and Amy and Joe, Uh, You'll have to walk through some of your own stuff to do it, some of your own head trash, some of your own limiting beliefs. You'll have to you'll have to walk through that in order to become a coach. Uh, But there is treasure in the cave that you fear. So thank you for tuning in this episode and uh, we'll see you next week. And remember, uh, the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It is only the gospel that transforms you. Uh, Thank you for joining us.